This is the Mercy Talk podcast. Mercy Talk is brought to you by Mercy Multiplied. We exist to encourage, equip, and empower both men and women with the same biblically-based principles we've seen work for over 35 years in our residential homes. If you want to find out more, head on over to mercymultiplied.com. Welcome back to Mercy Talk. This is one of your hosts, Melanie Wise. I am joined by the lovely Brooke Keels. We have not done a podcast together in a long time. It's been so long. I know. I'm really glad excited. to be here with you. Yeah. We also have a very exciting new guest with us today um, that I cannot wait to introduce you all to. This is not just a one-time guest. We do have one-time guests here and there, but this is someone that you're going to be hearing from a lot in the days to come. It is one of our new outreach team members. He is Julian Vaca, and we could not be more excited to have you with us. Thank you, ladies. Humbled for the opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're excited because not only are you going to be hosting, but you've kind of spearheaded this entire series that we're about to jump into this month. And we're going to really be talking a lot just about how to thrive in your relationship with God, um, which kind of sounds like a broad topic, but we're going to hit some really specific things over these next few weeks. And as we always try to do here at Mercy Talk, it's not going to just be like a bunch of ideas and thoughts, but no, really like, okay, you just talked about this thing today. What can I do? Like, what can I do? Application. Yes. Like what's something like a next step that I can take to really go to the next level in my relationship with the Lord. And I think just even as we've talked through this series, I think we're going to end up really kind of focusing in on like through difficult seasons, you know, there's going to be a lot. I just think as we've kind of talked through this content, like it just kind of keeps going back to how this has worked itself out in just hard seasons of our own lives. And so, Julian, as someone who's really kind of spearheaded all of this, first of all, would love for you to share just a little bit about yourself with our listeners so they know who you are um, and also just kind of what this series has meant to you as you've developed it. Yeah, thank you. Well, I'm like I said, super humbled to be here because, you know, as I, you know, when I was first hired uh, in the outreach department at Mercy Multiplied, uh, one of the first things that I did uh, and we kind of joked about this. I was like immersifying myself in all this mercy content. Okay, okay. But it's been no, it's been it's been really good because it's been a solid like you know sixty to ninety days of just really just uh, immersing myself in in books, in mercy talk episodes. Um, you know, reading testimonies from you know young women who have gone through uh, the residential program, and then sort of looking at how outreach is going to take a lot of those kinds of, you know, principles, those, those keys, mm-hmm. um, and use them beyond the walls of mercy. Mm-hmm. And so all that to say, you know, as we were kind of thinking through what this, what the series was going to be, and, and as we sort of landed on, um, you know, just kind of exploring our relationship with God, you know, on an individual level, um, I just got really excited because my faith journey is, um, I mean, like everyone's is unique. Um, it's full of, you know, joy, excitement, pain, loss, mm-hmm. hurt. Um, so just real quickly to touch on that, um, I grew up in a Christian household. Um, both of my parents were in ministry, not vocationally, but, you know, um, they, you know, we were super involved in our church. I grew up in Southern California. We actually moved to rural Tennessee in the, uh, in the early 2000s because they got asked to be house parents for a ministry that took in 
troubled young boys. Mm -hmm. So we lived um, in like on 300 acres, I think it was. We had this, you know, really kind of interesting home set up where we kind of had our family wing where me and my sisters and my folks lived. And then sort of adjacent to that was like a, a sort of dorm room setting. So we were living, um, we were living on, you know, campus, uh, whatever. We did that for about a year. Um, and, you know, my parents uh, quickly found that um, because at that point it was full-time ministry, they realized that, you know, just as a, as a result of being so focused on the boys that we were taking into this home, um, we needed to sort of reevaluate because mm-hmm. um, they wanted to really make sure that they were giving me and my two sisters so good. the attention that we good needed and that the ministry aspect of, of their calling wasn't kind of yeah. superseding their calling yes. to, you know, be good, you know, parents, good stewards of, of you know, wow. their responsibility. I think responsibility. we could just do a whole podcast on that That'd right be now fun. Yeah. 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 That'd like, be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Um, and then you're looking at each other <laughs> like, let's talk about that. Yeah, no, it was, it was, honestly, it was really good to see it as a, as a 13-year-old because it was a healthy picture of, um, you know, just sort of navigating how to prioritize ministry, family, not, not, and honestly, it kind of plays into boundaries. I know you guys are yes. big fans of boundaries, yes. uh, the book, um, the series. Um, the John and so yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so anyway, all, all of this to say, all of this, all of this to sort of set up that I had a really solid foundation with, um, with my, my upbringing, but mm-hmm. that didn't mean that my faith was personal. Mm-hmm. That yeah. didn't mean that um, that that I would that I would even say that I was really even walking with Jesus or that I knew him intimately. Um, it wasn't until I left home at eighteen mm-hmm. and sort of went off on my own and sort of you know rededicated my life, rediscovered my love for Jesus, and and sort of figured out what it means like to have an intimate, personal faith mm-hmm. and relationship with Christ that I realized that it's so important to have that be personal, to not have your faith be contingent upon your parents' faith. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've, I've even seen that in a lot of uh, the testimonies of young women that I've read in, um, you know, in some of the books that we've published through Mercy. It's, it's been kind of cool to see how some of the young women have had similar kind of experiences, similar kinds of, of faith journeys. So anyway, fast forward to uh, 2017. I've been married now for a few years. My wife and I have a couple of kids. And um, this was sort of a big pivotal moment for me. Uh, in terms of uh, growing in my faith, deepening my relationship with God, um, we found out that we were expecting, and um, on our very first visit, in the same breath that we were told that we were expecting twins, we were also told that we had lost one of our one of our babies, mm-hmm. and so that was that was really hard. Um, that was really difficult. It kind of shook us because, you know. It was, it was just a really solid, sobering, raw reminder that we're not entitled to anything. We shouldn't expect anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything that God uh, blesses us with is just that, a blessing, a gift. But it also, experiencing that loss on the other side of that coin, uh, helped me realize that there is a freedom to be angry mm-hmm. and to sort of lean into the anger that we that we feel that that particular emotion, because I was really for a long time that first year there was there was a lot of emotions warring inside of me. I would feel guilt mm-hmm. if I wasn't mourning enough for the child that I lost. I was feeling guilt 
if I was really excited and celebrating milestones and not grieving. Mm-hmm. And, and But then if I wasn't, you know, feeling the, the sort of joy that I thought that I was supposed to feel for the baby that God did save and preserve. And yeah. so there was just a lot of like messiness yeah. that I had to confront. And it's really interesting how God used that that really pivotal moment in our lives to show him. Honestly, I would even venture to say that it wasn't until that moment that I was really, truly, fully leaning on him for everything. Mm -hmm. It was almost as if I was leaning on him when it was convenient, when it made sense, but not really Mm -hmm. for everything. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I knew obviously this part of your story, we talked about it we'd connected on it before you're so much of what you're saying is making me go back to a series. Actually it was two series that we did last year on heartache and suffering and on anger at God and, um, navigating all of that in the midst of just grief and loss. Um, and it's what you're sharing is reminding me. And it's just so funny because I hear like, I, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people say this often is it's in the hard times that I feel the closest to the Lord. You know, you hear that a lot. Like when it's good, like I'm good and I don't really need much from him. But when it's bad, you know, mm-hmm. that I'm leaning on him. You know, that's just a very common thing that a lot of people share. Um, but I remember in that series, and I'm going to totally botch this quote, but it was. Um, I think it was a Matt Chandler teaching that I'd listened to around that time. And he talked about how if the ultimate goal and prize of our life is him, is Jesus Christ, and it is a relationship with him, then anything on this earth that points us and pushes us closer to that place can be seen in the end as good. Mm -hmm. And it was crazy for me to be Mm -hmm. like, you won't tell me that the loss of my baby was good. But as I start, as I can now, you know, over a year later, look back and be like, I know him. I've experienced him. I have a relationship with him that I never had before that experience. And I will never be able to say that losing a baby was good, but it pointed me towards the best thing that you can have in life. And so just a lot of what you shared, you know, really resonated with that part. It's really good. I mean, I think just to take it, if you think relationally, right, when you first meet somebody and you're dating, you know, that everyone's like, oh, the honeymoon phase, when you like every single thing about them. Yeah. Like they're so amazing and their hair and their whatever it is, you Mm -hmm. know, it's fine. You don't text me back. Like, it's fine. (laughs) You know, just whatever it is. Right. And then lots of grace. Right. But intimacy is coming through the Mm -hmm. hard times walking through that. And so I think that that's sometimes what we put, you know, on the Lord, like we're not you know, it's not a fun date that we're going on, but yeah, you gain intimacy in those hard times. You gain intimacy in really knowing each other. Mm -hmm. And the big piece of that is, you know, to have intimacy with someone is to know their character, Mm -hmm. you know, and I know I say this a lot and I will say it forever, but you know, that to me is the ultimate goal. If I continue, continue to pursue his character, then when these hard things happen, you're able to at least believe. And I mean, you did the same thing, you know, Mel, I mean, being around, like it was a hard time and you walked through it, but you kept pursuing Mm-hmm. And, you know, and there was a core belief of like, I know God is good, but mm-hmm. we've got to, you know, get mm-hmm. there and fight through it. And and as a parent, like how honored I would be if my son had a hard time mm-hmm. and he kept just fighting through it and trusting mm-hmm. that I'm good, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, um, 
anyway, yeah. I just think that's, I'm just excited we're doing this yeah. today. And, and Julian, I've never heard any of this about you. So this was really cool for me. So yeah. we're all learning together. guys. <laughs> that's right. yeah. I like it. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So in this first episode, um, I'd really love to look at why getting over yourself is such a critical first step to thriving <laughs> in your relationship with the father. It already feels good. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, we're talking about getting over, getting over yourself. I know. How's, how's that for a segue? Yeah. How is so that? good for everyone yeah. but me. I like it. <laughs> um, so first, at the outset, I'd love to sort of reiterate that God, the creator of the universe, our personal savior, very much wants this reality for us. Mm-hmm. He very much desires an intimate relationship with you, with me, and everyone listening. God didn't send his only son to die for our sins so that after we confess our need for him and decide to grow in the Christian faith, we could just float along by Mm -hmm. occasionally checking in with him in prayer. Mm -hmm. God desires that each and every one of us experience actual felt intimacy with him. And I think it's just so important uh, to just sort of set the tone with that reminder that our pursuit of him was first his pursuit of us. Mm -hmm. And I just think that we have to remember that at Mm -hmm. the outset before, you know, we sort of start unpacking this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think I'm thinking back to, I don't know when in my young adulthood I heard this, but um, this idea that there, there's a difference between existing and living. And it's funny because I'm like, I think that was Matt Chandler as well now that I'm thinking about it. So I listened to a few <laughs> Matt Chandler things here and there. Um, but the, you know, you really can, even as a believer, you can just get by in life kind of existing, like doing the things, checking the boxes, yeah. doing life, having Absolutely. a family, having a job, going to church. And it can be great and it can be fine. But that there's a difference between that and actual living. The, you know, John 10.10 10 is one of my absolute favorite scriptures that talks about like, enemy came to do this. I came to give life to the full. Mm -hmm. And so to me, and at least in my own experience, it is intimacy with God. It is a thriving relationship with the father that has been the difference between the two. Yeah. It's been nothing else but that because I I think for many years of my life, I just kind of did the things I did the Christian stuff. Yeah. But then when I, as you were sharing, you know, Julian, when it became real to you and you were Mm -hmm. like, Whoa, I can have this with him. And it was really truly being around people that had it. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like you talk about him very differently than I do. And you talk about him like you like know him. And we're supposedly on like you think about him. Yeah. Yeah. More than on Sunday. And we're we're on the same team. Yeah. How is it that you're yeah, that's a that's Yeah, exactly. Like how do you have this? What did I miss along the way? You know? And so that was the difference for me between just kind of existing and really experiencing life to the full that he he offered, like you said. So that's I mean and I think one of the things too that's really shifted for people not even understanding um culturally what intimacy is mm-hmm. um you know we have decided as a culture that intimacy is sexuality and so when you start using words like intimacy with God it can completely freak people out mm-hmm. based off of whatever right their life experience has been and honestly a lot of people go through life not having an intimate relationship a Mm -hmm. trusted safe healthy relationship with anyone Mm -hmm. and so then you know they go to church and somebody gets on stage and is like you should be intimate with God and we literally have no idea what that even means right and so that's kind of where 
you know, some people are like, that doesn't sound appealing at all. Mm-hmm. Right. And I remember yeah. there was kind of this thing in the nineties. I'm going to blame Matt Chandler for this too. I don't know. Great. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know, it was kind of like, we're, you know, we're dating God, you know, and they'd pull like all these scriptures out. Sure. But if you can imagine, you know, for people who yeah. that wasn't a great experience for them yeah. or growing up and not safe or, you know, right. um, sexual things were used to damage and heart right. harm, you know, you're just like, I don't even know what that means. Mm-hmm. And our tendency is to completely shut it down. And you're right. Until you see somebody with a healthy intimacy for God, do you even know mm. or interested in what that is? You know, and as a preacher's kid, again, if you get up on stage and talk about how intimate I need to be with the Lord and don't tell me how to do that, yeah. I can't. Uh-uh. So, yeah. you know, I just, um, again, I'm just excited we're doing yeah. this. And, and, and also uh, going back to the pursuit of like, you have to pursue. So if someone says like, you know, an intimate relationship with God is where you're going to find healing and rest and strength all the time, right? That's stability. So we're not moved by everything around us, you know, and it's the pursuit of that. You don't have to completely understand it, but it's yeah. digging in and trying to yeah. understand yeah, it. Yeah. And he shows up to help yeah. you understand it. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. Well, so so back to getting over yourself. Back to getting over yourself. <laughs> and I love that you referenced, you know, man, whenever you're listening to a sermon or whatever, if you're hearing, you know, you have to be intimate, you have to pursue intimacy with the Father and you don't hear how to do it, you're going to get, you know, well, great segue because mm-hmm. we're going to we're going to unpack yeah. that now. Yeah. Um, but first, getting over yourself, it may seem, it may sound kind of harsh, especially for those of us who have lived through or are living through mm-hmm some really difficult season. Mm-hmm. And so I want to clarify what I'm what I'm not saying is that any anger we experience toward God isn't unfounded or that we shouldn't allow ourselves the freedom to feel what we're feeling. Yeah. But here's the thing. We can't stop there mm-hmm. in our anger and our hurt and our pain and sort of live in this vacuum of our emotions. At some point we have to allow God to take us by the hand and lead us to the other side. Mm -hmm. We have to recognize that our pain isn't beyond healing or bigger than our Father, nor is God the author of that pain and hurt. Indeed, we have an absolute perfect picture of our Father's heart and compassion in the person of Jesus Christ. But we must at some point fall to our knees, let go of this sort of intrinsic desire in all of us to control what we can't, and trust that God's will for us is better than our will for us. In short, we must get over ourselves and under His wings. Mm. Something else that I had the opportunity to do at Mercy to get to know the character of God. And that was something I deeply needed, but I really didn't believe that deep down He was good and that He was a good Father to me. And so I had opportunity to learn truth and I got to see that truly the truth of the Lord, when I, became to, when I got to know it, it would bring freedom in my life. If I could share something with those that have partnered or supported Mercy, I would say thank you. Thank you for sowing seeds. The seeds that you've sown are ones that have actually given opportunity for seeds of healing to come into my life um, and many other girls and women like me. Seeds of hope to actually plant it in our hearts that when we had given up on ourselves, there were others that hadn't given up on us. And so I would say thank you for your walking in obedience. That's really, really good. I've never heard that before to get over ourselves under his wings. And it's, I'm thinking back to a um, teaching that we had in our home actually here recently. Someone came in, um, really well-known speaker, and, and did this amazing teaching about um, the story of Joseph. And she actually like kind of unpacked the, if you read through the story of Joseph, I didn't realize how many times throughout that story it says that he wept. 
he went away and he wept. He went away and he wept. Like I had never noticed how many times it mentions that in the story. And I don't know, you just sometimes hear like the story of Joseph. If you haven't read the story of Joseph, it's a really fascinating one. I encourage you to do it. Um, but it, you know, like you just kind of think, oh, I mean, yeah, he went through some hard stuff, but man, like he really made it. He, he made it. But even while he was in his like, I made it state, there was weeping and mourning for yeah. what was lost and what was broken in his life. And so there was a point, and I had never, just leave it to like a Bible scholar to come in and show you things you'd never even seen before. Yeah. But there's a point in that story, and it's in Genesis, I wrote it down, it's Genesis 43, 30 through 31, where it actually says that like basically Joseph went away, wept, and then he washed his face and pulled himself together and went back out to his brothers. Mm-hmm. And she was making the point that there is there is a there's absolutely a time for exhaling your pain and crying and weeping it out. But there is also a time that they have to stop and that yeah. you have to wash your face and you have to pull yourself together. I'm, I'm so glad that you're sharing that because I feel like a lot of uh, the men listening to this, yeah. uh, you know, this episode probably really need to hear that reiterated to them. And I'm saying that from personal experience. Yeah. When we first found out about our loss, um, I really sort of leaned into the role of being the rock, the support sure. for my wife, yeah. and um, you know, just really almost to the point where I wasn't really allowing myself mm-hmm. the opportunity to grieve and to feel the hurt and to and to cry. Mm-hmm. And this is this is a true story. So that went on for a couple of weeks, and I got a a phone call from a friend, and, and we were catching up, and and then at at one point in the conversation, they said, um, "Are you okay?" You, you like you sound really fake right now. They mm-hmm. called me out, mm-hmm. and this was a few weeks removed from from finding out about that about our loss. And I just broke down mm-hmm. on the phone mm-hmm. and just started weeping. I'll never forget. I was stuck in traffic, and I just lost it. Mm-hmm. And and that wasn't healthy. Mm-hmm. Like I needed to give myself the space and the freedom to exhale the pain, yep. and to just really process that. And I really feel like a lot of men need to hear that and need mm-hmm. to be reminded of that, mm-hmm. that there is a time for that and it is the healthy thing and God is very much in that, in yeah. those moments. Yeah. So I'm so glad you shared yeah. that. You have to do it. You have to process it. Yeah. And then at some point. Right. You have to, and I don't like, I don't like that idea of just like, well, you just got to pull yourself, like pull yourself together because a lot of people oh, you use that. You don't like that? No. Okay. I mean... <laughs> Sorry, just me. In context, because I think a lot of people use <laughs> right that now. as what you were describing right, yeah. as like, Mm-mm, there's no place right, for weeping right. and crying around here. Pull yourself together. No, there is a place for That's it. Right. And then at some point, the tears do have to stop and you have to like, yeah. I mean, it is that idea of kind Well, of, which is what, I mean, we have multiple emotions for a reason. Yeah. Like that's why we exist and we're emotional beings and connect on all of those levels. And you're right. The, the piece is, is it's not, you can't always be suck it up buttercup, right? Like it right. has to be, there has to be the times of going away and weeping. And I'll just tell you, I can't tell you how many couples that I've worked with that like the men are just so hurt mm. and then man, they'll just get a good cry out. And it's like a different person Mm. you know we're not meant to hold these things in Mm -hmm, in this mm -hmm. way and and I think there's a level of respect and I think you're right a lot of men don't understand too though it's fine to cry and let it out and it doesn't have to be forever I think sometimes guys really think that they're supposed to just be in grief all the time you know and most people are not you know guys are kind of created to be the rock in that Mm -hmm, way mm -hmm. and so yeah but you can go have your time do what you need to do with the Lord or with you know a friend or whatever you need to do and then come back it doesn't stay forever and I've seen that a lot like that agreement with like this fear that if I let this go then I'll just never Mm, be okay again when the 
yeah. reality is actually if you give me about 10 to 15 minutes yeah we'll probably get somewhere pretty good That's you really know good, yeah. so yeah that's awesome. So as I was reflecting on, you know, this reality that Christians have the privilege to part- partake in, uh, real felt intimacy with the Father, it was hard not to recall, you know, another person from the Old Testament. You were referencing Joseph, but I, I really thought of David's life mm. in the Bible mm-hmm. yeah. and what a raw portrait he That's is right. of trusting, you know, God and living relationally with him. And I was thinking about one particular part of David's story. So in 2 Samuel 11, when David sinned against God by lusting after Bathsheba, committing adultery, and subsequently uh, having her husband Uriah murdered, it might be an inclination of ours to read this story and think, gosh, those are some pretty big sins. At least I've never murdered or whatever. (laughs) And you might also wonder why I'm citing this particular part of David's life in our discussion with having a deep relationship with God and intimacy with the Father. Well, it's because in the next chapter, in chapter 12, after David is confronted with his sin by Nathan, we see a grieving and remorseful child of God pouring his heart out in a really intimate way. Mm -hmm. In Psalm 51, David's literal, and and if you don't know, Psalm 51 uh, in particular is uh, a very specific psalm that David wrote after having been confronted by the prophet Nathan. Mm. So go back and read that. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. It's very raw. But David's literal words of confession and longing for the Father, I believe, really encapsulate what true intimacy with God can look like. And don't hear me say that this is the only way intimacy is lived out Mm -hmm. with the Father, but I certainly found it a real kind of foundational piece to dying to ourselves or, or getting over ourselves and experiencing the goodness of God's nearness. Yeah. Yeah, those are really great points. And I'm thinking, I mean, talk about getting over yourself to be able to say, hey, like, I really messed up here, and and how that drew him close to the Father. I mean, I, when I think through the Psalms, I'm like, you want to talk about the picture of intimacy with the Lord? If I'm ever just kind of feeling dry, I just start reading some Psalms. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, they're just so, there's such a picture of intimacy with the Father. But, you know, it, it's, it's also reminding me that a thriving relationship with God involves, well, it requires humility, Yes. Because when we are able to confess our, our sins, when we're able to say, hey, you know what, God, you're right. I have been wrong. I need you. I need your grace. There is something that happens in that exchange that is so truly intimate. And so, I mean, I really think it just lays the groundwork for, for surrender, for whatever it is that God wants to do in our lives. And I love it because, you know, it's like he doesn't force that upon us. He doesn't force us into a relationship with him. He's so gracious. He, he gives us that choice, that option. But... I think it's a a really important point to make based off of that, that if we want that relationship with him, humility, like it's not an option. Our pride has to be broken down. And I mean, it's pretty crystal clear in scripture because there's literally a scripture that says like he distances himself from the proud. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if I want to be close to him, then I've got to watch how pride just can rear its ugly head. Like all the yeah. time. Yeah. Every day. And now <laughs> Brooke's going to talk. Okay. So, <laughs> no, I mean, I think too, you know, the piece of it that he was able to be humble before the Lord because he knew God had shown up for him so many mm-hmm. times. Like he was mm-hmm. willing to take whatever the Lord had because yeah. he knew, right, that God was going to be good. And what was God's response? 
right? Yeah. I've given you everything. If you wanted more, I would have given you more, mm-hmm. right? And so, I mean, I think there's those places of, you know, understanding the Father's heart in those moments. It's not, you need to be humble to someone who's now going to abuse you. Right. That's not what this is. It's being humble to someone who is going to be careful with your heart. And, yeah. um, you know, and again, I mean, humility's right, that thing that we like to talk about. And <laughs> I believe Terrell Owens called himself the most humble guy he knows. Oh, yeah. Um, for those of you that don't know who Terrell football. Owens is, that's fine. Football, good job. It's been first, a while. Is this the first football reference in a Mercy Talk? Oh, yeah. oh probably not. No? Okay. Yeah, no. I feel sure. pretty well, sure. If, if not, Nancy if Nancy's been on a show. Yeah, yeah no. definitely. <laughs> and if we ever want to bring in Drew Brees and the Saints at any point in time, I can talk about that all day. Anyway, um, so, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, every time somebody says something about being humble, that's what I hear is Terrell Owens on this like 30 for 30 or whatever it was. And he's like, I'm the most humble guy I know. And Which so literally makes you not at all. Right. Uh, right. And awesome. so that's been a joke with Scott mm-hmm. and I forever. But the reality is, is like we, we spend a lot of time figuring out what this is and being humble truly is just being willing to be vulnerable and be mm-hmm. intimate, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, you know, it doesn't mean a false humility. I heard word on the street as Chris Valentin just preached on this at Bethel. And so I'm ready, you know, for that to come out, um, on the podcast, but you know, it's not about saying, Oh, I'm not good at things. Like it's none of that. It's really just going before the Lord and be like, here's, here's me. This is it. Yeah. What do you have to say? And what do you want to do with it? Kind That's of right. thing. And, and trusting that whatever it is, is always going to be so good. Yeah. Even when it hurts really bad or doesn't feel great, right. you know, or he's humbling you as mm-hmm. one who mm-hmm. that happens daily. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, I mean, truly though, I think, you know, the, the reality is we fall short most of the time mm-hmm. and we have to trust the Lord to be good with us in our heart. And so, I mean, we just, really want to encourage that everyone uh, frankly this week get alone with Holy Spirit and ask him to reveal any areas of hidden pride um, that have been covered up with other behaviors and this is not an easy thing to do but I will tell you this even if you're like yeah no I'm not I'm not doing that that's fine just try this (laughs) like even if it's just go okay Holy Spirit reveal to me like Lord reveal to me areas of pride that I have and you don't even have to do anything with it just see what he shows you because I'm going to be honest with you. Every time he shows me something, it's so kind and gentle and and in a way, even when he talks to me the way I need to be talked to, which is a little more harsh than most people. um, It's exactly what I know. The second it lands in my spirit, I'm like, yeah, you're right. Not great at that. You know? So just give him an opportunity to be good to you. That's really all we're kind of asking in that moment. Um, It's super uncomfortable and it involves a lot of honesty, but mm-hmm. God's going to show up. Mm-hmm. He just is. And so, you know, and I'm going to tag onto that yeah. because I know that we are really big on practical takeaways. Yeah. Next steps. What do I do with this? And I don't know, Julian, just with what you shared earlier about, um, that season of time where you just were holding it and you knew you were holding it. And, you know, I don't know. I just, I would think that there might be some people who listen to this and are like, Oh, I'm, I'm right there. I've got some like real unresolved grief that I've never exhaled. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that you would, that you would, if the, if you feel like that connects with you, that you would find a safe place and maybe even safe people, um, that are trustworthy people that you yeah. can, can really do that with and process that with. And maybe it's even asking the Lord, like, what does it look like for me to process through this pain to a point where, I can 
can call it resolved at some level where right. where not where I'm going to live in this place but like you said where I can process this in a way that it draws me closer to you and then at some point I'm able to inhale again yeah. you know um, well, I, yes so. and, and, and not to sound like a broken record but just to reiterate again I do believe a lot of men listening to this really need to be reminded of that because mm-hmm. This starts with getting over yourself because mm-hmm. there is this um, sort of desire, this kind of, it's kind of woven into our DNA as men to uh, want to be the protectors all the time, want to be the strong ones all the time. Not that women aren't strong, not that women aren't sure. also protectors, but for whatever reason, it feels like there's this sort of responsibility mm-hmm. as heads of households, as husbands, as fathers to be the strong one, air quotes. But we have to get over ourselves and get to a point where we realize, like, this isn't healthy. If I really want to experience God's goodness and mm-hmm, nearness, mm-hmm. I've just got to lay it all at his feet and just mm-hmm. ex- exhale. Yeah. You know, just I just wanted to really yeah. just kind of drive that home again and just well, reiterate that. Because strength isn't being delusional. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not strength, right? Yeah. Strength is honesty in moments. It mm-hmm. is vulnerability. It is, you know, knowing that not... Um, you know, that's so interesting to me that we do. We think that strength is, and I say, again, I'm talking to myself always, you know, that just keep it together, keep it together and we'll push through, you know, but that's not what we were created to yeah. do. And again, like the renewal that you'll feel, mm-hmm. it isn't just you white knuckling being strong for everybody, right? Or keeping it together. Or, you know, I'll tell you think something I struggle with is, hey, nobody has to worry about me. You all handle your stuff. Don't worry about me. I'm fine. Even to the point that I realized like this summer that I tried to to be such a good steward with what the Lord has given me so he didn't have to worry about me. Mm. And so, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, see, God, you don't have to worry about me. You can go worry about everybody else because, you know, he needs me to take things off his plate. And so, I mean, that's insane, <laughs> right? When you say it out loud, but I think that's where those kind of agreements and moments yeah. of pride. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of somebody who had to go get alone and have some things pointed out that was real big for me this summer but Mm -hmm. i just think that that's it strength is not yeah is not you know making sure nobody's worried about you that's right and (laughs) you you know you just reminded me of something i know we're short on time but just one last thing that to piggyback off of that honestly that's one of the sneakiest ways and one of the most efficient ways that satan drives a wedge between us and the father you sharing what you just you know talked about how you felt like Oh, you know, I don't need God to worry about me. He, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm in my path. I'm, I'm living out my calling so that God can, you, you, you know. Yeah, I was doing him a favor. Exactly. Obviously. Yeah. And, and I, and, and, <laughs> that's it. And, and that's just one of the sneaky ways yeah. that the enemy will kind of creep into our thoughts and create a gap, a deficit between us and experiencing intimacy with God. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because we reason it like we're doing a good thing. Mm-hmm. But that's not of God. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there, there's no intimacy in that. There's So I, I just wanted to kind of quickly just no, I love fit it. that in. But here's the thing. Um, I would have never known that if right. I wouldn't have said, show me where I have right. areas of pride. I had mm-hmm. no idea. And that's part of this. Sometimes you don't have to go in with an agenda. He will lay it out for you. And frankly, his agenda is going to be way easier on everybody anyhow. Yeah. You know. So, uh, yeah. And I would yeah. even go so far as to say most of the time we shouldn't go in with an agenda. Like, we need to be, do- I'll say this, I need to be doing a, a better job of just listening, mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. of just being still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, and this all really just kind of tees up our next episode, why we must truly live in the reality that we are truly forgiven. But before we can step into that, we have to ask ourselves again, am I ready to get over myself and live, really live in the Father's nearness? Mm-hmm. What's holding me back? What's it really going to take for me to unball my fists and just let God 
be the good and gracious father that he is. That's good. That's good. I'm excited to to dive into some more stuff together in these coming weeks. So, Julian, it's so fun to have you on here. <laughs> Great job I'm on so your first glad. Mercy Talk podcast. Everyone celebrate together. Oh, yay. 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 <laughs> we're, we're rejoicing. Yay. Oh, my goodness. Well, um, thank you guys so much for joining us this week. We hope that you will continue to stick with us in this series. I think there's some really great stuff to come. We're so glad you joined us today. We'd love for you to head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. You can also find previous episodes there. Mercy Multiplied is a nonprofit organization completely funded by our donors. We're incredibly grateful and couldn't do what we do without them. If you want to find out more how you can partner with us financially, head over to mercymultiplied.com.